What a difference a week makes. Welcome back to another visit to the awesome village. My name is Greg, and joining me is... Ryan. Glenn. And John. So, we last left off talking about television. Now, we're going to begin a discussion about motion pictures. Some of new, some old. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, the first thing that I want to hear about is Millie Vanilli. See, Ryan sent us a, um, a message. I saw the trailer for this... It was on Paramount Plus. I don't remember what I was going to watch. You know what it was? I was finishing Fatal Attraction, which is a piece of junk show. Don't go watch it. It got canceled. Thank God. I can't believe they were even considering bringing it back. But that's where I first saw the trailer for this documentary that was coming out um, for about Millie Vanilli. Um, <clears throat> so, what do you guys remember? I mean, Glenn saw this, but I'm curious, Greg and John, like, what do y'all remember about the Millie Vanilli story? I mean, I remember Blame It on the Rain, Girl You Know It's True, and then I remember the, the big lip-syncing incident. I remember the video of the lip-syncing incident. Yeah. Oh, the, the skipping. Yeah. So, f- based on your recollection, do you recall anyone getting in any trouble other than Rob and Fab? Not really. No. Did you ever stop to think... Why the fuck is that? If you think about the ter- in terms of like the fact that it's a lip syncing scandal, I guess, but it can't just be them too. And yeah. that's what this documentary really like opened your eyes up to that these poor kids and they were kids. They were in their twenties, and like they one of them barely spoke English. I mean, they were and. They were basically approached. So it starts in Europe, which again I didn't know. Millie Vanilli started in Europe. Yeah, they were yeah. French. I knew. I knew well, they. One, one was well, from Germany, and the right. other one was from. Right. I knew they were. They were. They were European, but I didn't know that they didn't even make it big in the U.S. first. Like they were, basically, they were two guys living in Europe, and then they got discovered because of their look and their dance moves. And this guy was like, um, he brought him into a studio and he played the music for. Um, girl, you know it's true, and they were all amped up. And then he hits when they show up to do the recording. Actually, what happened was they said we're gonna you're gonna do this song with us. And, and there's there's some discrepancy about what happened. Yeah, I don't believe that. But I don't believe. I, I don't believe those I, I that believe, woman. I believe the kids. But they signed a contract and were sent away and said we're gonna call you back to record it. And then it was like two or three months later, and they've been living off of all this money that they just signed this contract for. Then they call them in and then they tell them. You're not going to sing. And they were just like, well, we're n- that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you bring us in if you don't let us sing? And they're basically told, well, this is what we want. If you don't want to do this, you got to pay back all the money you've been living with. And they were like, they were just 20-something-year-old kids. And they're like, well, we spent all the money that we were given. And so, like, they were scared. And they were just, like, told, record this one song, and we're done. It's over with. They record the one song, and it explodes to like all over Europe. all over the place and it turns them into a phenomenon that like they never thought it was going to get beyond just one recording of a song so following these poor guys like and it's funny they actually find the original european album and if you go to the liner notes they are not listed like when all the musicians are listed their names are nowhere to be found on so it's like not even they weren't even like false advertising over there. Like yeah, if, if you look at the like the names of the singers and all on the liner notes of the European album, like the real singer was on there. And, it and wasn't either yeah, Rob or Fab. And uh, basically, it's um, I mean, this documentary is is very informative. Um, it's it's so sad, but also it's like it was very nostalgic. Like I forgot how much I loved the Millie Vanilli music when I was younger. And just that time. Did, did they actually sing decently? Like I don't. I think in my. I, mean, I haven't talked to Glenn about this, but in my opinion, Fabricio, the guy who's still surviving, has a beautiful voice. He does. He does. Rob, I don't think had a great voice. Now that may have been because of his language issues, but because they had many like sh- scenes of old interviews when they were doing the United States tour, and you can see the look on this guy's face. He didn't speak a lick of English. And they were like, nobody thought this was unusual that during all these interviews, this guy can't understand a sentence in English. And there's a whole album that's out supposed to be of him singing in perfect English with no accent. And... I, I don't want to, I'm trying to, I want to recommend this so much, but without giving stuff away. Because yeah. I was so blown away by shit I didn't know. The stuff about the producer. 
the things he did before Millie Vanilli, during Millie Vanilli, and I, I'm not even I can't even say it, but what he did after Millie Vanilli, you're not gonna believe it. You're gonna think it's fake. And no one like he, he they didn't get any kind of in any kind of trouble. None of the producers in both the states, I mean, it was all put on Rob and Fab and I had seen the the infamous press conference where they showed up to give the Grammys back, but I had never seen it sort of like uncut. Oh yeah. The media was so disgusting to these two kids. It's it was horrible to watch. I mean, it, it's a fascinating. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a while, and it ends in a very very heartwarming and uplifting way, um, where the story sort of like each each guy goes two different routes. You know, Rob can't overcome everything that's happened, but Fab, you know, fights through it and. Where he ends up, it's very, very positive and really, really cool. Um, I cannot recommend this enough. I, I, I want everyone to see this thing. It's yeah, yeah it's fantastic. It is very nostalgic. I forgot how just massive they were back when, in their heyday when they were at the height of their popularity. Yeah, what was it? Uh, was it like was it eight million albums? Yeah, there was one sold? point where they're like, you know, what do you do when you sell like you know a million albums? And he's like, well, the problem is, is when you're not singing and you sell eight million albums, like how do you like? And some of the old clips of Arsenio Hall and all, he said it was just very nostalgic and how, like, and again, without giving anything away about how, like, it was almost in, like, a lot of people figured it out, but no yeah. one really said anything. And I thought it was funny, their manager, when they came to the United States, he was the one who came up with the idea of submitting them for the Grammys. And, like... That, I don't want to give anything away, because that, that was fascinating about how that whole thing... Blew. Yeah, like, that was just crazy, so... Guys, you gotta check it out. It's on Paramount Plus. What would you grade this? Because well, we grade movies here. Seventeen. Honestly, like I'm, I'm at like a nine point six. Wow! Wow! I like, mean, I was gonna, I, I was gonna give it like a an eight point nine. Maybe it was very good. Um, I and just like and the thing that Greg remembers the girl you know it's girl you mm-hmm. know like apparently when that happened it wasn't that big a deal. Nope. Like no one really. And I, and I gotta tell you, like I love a documentary that can give me a subject matter that I think I know about and also give me stuff. like a lot of documentaries then. No, like, I mean, like, I, f- I grew up with Millie Vanilli as a little kid. Like, I remember the whole thing happening, but, like, I did not know half the stuff that happened. It was just insane. And I didn't know where they ended up, both of them. I mean, it's 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 really, really good. Well, um, our next uh, set of movies we're going to talk about have sort of a a similarity. We're going to talk about Willy Wonderland and Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, so we've Willy's Wonderland has been brought up on the show before. Ron, you saw I it, saw right? it first. John saw it, and then now you've seen it. Greg's dragging his feet. It's all right. How dare you? Um, now I had never, I had heard of Five Nights at Freddy's, but I never like. I didn't know anything about what it was about when Willy's Wonderland came out, which I think it was like two years ago. Willy's Wonderland came out in 2021. Yeah, two years ago. Um, and if you don't remember that one, starred Nicolas Cage as the janitor. And he's basically a guy who's driving his car and someone puts some spikes out and he gets all these flats and he's just standing on the side of the road and he gets picked up and basically he gets propositioned where like we can pay for your repairs. You just got to like go work overnight and at, clean up the clean up uh old, willie's wonderland old, old, which is this old an old showbiz pizza chuck e cheese type thing seems like an easy gig but it's not because the um residents of this little town have made a deal with the demons that inherit inhabit the animatronics and uh basically the the people they throw in willie's wonderland they're meant to be a human sacrifice but they haven't come up against anyone like the janitor. Yeah, he shows up and basically stocks the fridges with his was it punch soda. Punch soda, and he puts on the uniform for Willy's Wonderland, like as an employee. And he does a really good job of cleaning this place. Yeah, he does. Um, and every time one of these things attacks him, it doesn't seem to phase him. It's just like he's like, "Well, this is coming to kill me, and I'm going to kill it." And it's got blood on my shirt. I gotta go change my shirt. I'm gonna get another soda. Play a round of pe- pinball on the machine real quick, and go back. Get back to work. Which yeah, <laughs> apparently the can says a fistful of caffeine for your kisser. So basically, there's a group of 
there's there's a storyline involving characters who a, a girl who wants who knows what's going on and is trying to like destroy the place, but then they find out Nicolas Cage is there, so they want to get him out, and insanity ensues where you got dumb characters making dumb decisions with killer animatronics running around. So that's Willy's Wonderland, which I and, thought, and we, and we should say in this movie from beginning to end, Nicolas Cage does not say zero a word. This movie is phenomenal in my this opinion movie knows exactly what it wants to be it knows exactly the audience it's catering for it doesn't take itself seriously it's campy it's fun it's fantastic if, if you're into this kind of i don't remember my original grade but it's got to be somewhere in the eight to nine range I, I i think i would give it an eight for this kind of movie. yeah i don't remember my grade either, I mean, but it was it was relatively i high. mean if i was comparing it to something like dunkirk maybe not yeah but for a movie yeah. called Willy's Wonderland where Nicolas Cage doesn't say anything and he's killing these animatronic demons. And then after he kills them, I mean, he just continues with his job cleaning up this place and that dance he does when he's playing pinball. It's just, it, it's bonkers. But um, So then comes the one movie that most teens have been waiting for. Right. Now, and we should say, when Willy's Wonderland was originally released, everyone said... It was a ripoff. It was a ripoff of Five Nights at Freddy's, which... As you said, this was a video game. Came out in 2014, and the movie rights were sold in 2015, and it's kind of been in development hell since 2015. But anyway. I don't even know if I want to talk about what it's about. Yeah. So, you got this one guy, his... Josh Hutchinson? Josh Hutchinson from The Hunger Games. His little brother was kidnapped when he was younger. And he's been sort of tormented by it. He keeps having a recurring nightmare about the day he was taken. And he thinks that if he can induce himself with sleeping pills and go back to that memory every night, he may remember a detail that will help him remember a key a key clue so he can find out who took his brother. So he constantly can't keep a job because he's a burnout because of everything. So he ends up getting a job working as a security guard for Fre what's the name Freddy Freddy Fazbear Fazbear's place which is another like showbiz pizza Chuck E. Cheese animatronic pizza place with kids and stuff and uh, he goes there and things start getting kind of weird from the beginning there's this cop who shows up which from the very beginning I'm like this this girl's up to something um, and yeah it, from there it's sort of I guess a little bit like Willy's Wonderland where all kinds of stuff starts to happen. But like, here's the difference in my opinion. Willy's Wonderland. First of all, if you're going to make a movie about killer animatronics and you take yourself seriously and you don't like poke fun at it, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what, what are you doing? Like they tried to make five nights. In my opinion, I thought five nights at Freddy's was almost a serious drama. I thought, and I mean, and I mentioned this when I talked to you guys about it, it reminded me like they were trying to make a version of the lovely bones. And when he said that, I was like, that, that can't be right. Glenn's off his rocker. He's not far off. Like, that's... I, I just... I, I figured animatronics, there's no way it's like the lovely bones. But it kind of is. It's really weird. And, like, when I talked to, like, my nieces about it, they were like, you didn't find it funny? I'm like, there was nothing funny except maybe one death, which was the closest to an R-rated death that happens in the, in the, in the movie. And this movie is PG-13. Yeah, and a lot of the scares are like jump scares, like shit coming at the camera, and then it cuts away, and you don't see the person actually die, but you know they die. That's that's what the... Yeah. Which I was fine with that. You I can make a, a good movie with that. I mean, there's, but, been, there's been very good PG-13 horror movies since forever. I, I, I thought this movie took itself so seriously. I thought the acting was terrible. Josh Hutchinson was... Uh, he's just all right. He's okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't find any connection with any of these characters i wasn't enjoying it i was just watching it with my mouth open going like what the fuck is going on i'm glad i, I wasn't the only one because like, i got some crap for not loving I, it. I mean i was just like what, what are we i mean my son was giving me shit when i was i was talking about it the other day and he was like it's really a shame when people give you shit for not liking a movie well i mean this is a big this is like a big thing with teens and it's like a cultural thing and i don't get it like I, I remember like like it's not to me i don't understand it. it's not like hunger games or even Twilight. I, Do you I hated Twilight. Josh was replaced by Liam Hemsworth. No, it would have been worse. But, like, I, I get... And again, Josh, he was fine. There was nothing really bad about his performance. It wasn't anything spectacular, but... No. I, I just don't get it. Anymore. Like, 
I hated Twilight, but I understood why stupid teenies would like it. I don't understand why this is a thing. Uh, I, I'd give this like a two. I hated it. I mean, the only thing that I could say positive, I thought the animatronics looked pretty good. Yeah. And I will say the pro- the, the design of the restaurant reminded me of a Chuck E. Cheese, the way that the stages were where there was two of them. Um, See, I haven't seen this movie. I was hoping to watch it with uh, Josiah, but uh, he actually opted to see it with his dad and Reggie because his dad and him, the, the, she, his dad told him about the game and everything like that. And so, like, no, I, I understand that. I don't want to take a experience away from you and your dad. We can watch it again when you get back over. Did he like it? Um, I haven't talked to him since he since they watched it, or if they did watch it. Um, but like from the things he's shown me or told me about the lore, because like, the first time I ever heard about it was from your children. Mm talking about it, I'm like what the fuck is that you know you kind of it's this thing with it they but all the things that they've shown me it's one of those things where it works better as a video game concept um the connective tissue of this from what you're telling me seems like they tried to to force a story that's just kind of surface level in the games a lot of the game has to do with like suggestive things like where like why these these creatures are you know alive and they don't even explain that in the movie i had to do all all that's that's implied and there's all these little like coincidental things and i think that kids get excited about stuff like that because they feel uh they fill in the stories like that fan yeah. and stuff so they feel more of an attachment because they wrote it themselves yeah but so the like thing is, all right so when you're watching horror movies there's like your slashers you know your freddy your michael myers of prices. And stuff like that then there's um exactly slashers of prices but then there's like like frankenstein's monster where he's a villain but he's almost sympathetic and this movie kind of doesn't know where it wants to go with these creatures, where at first they're just slaughtering all of these employees, but then... You're supposed to feel sorry for them. Then you're kind of supposed to feel sorry for them at one point, but then they they switch and they start terror... And it's like, it, it was just all over the place. Like, so when I was... Just, it, this movie has a severe identity crisis. Yeah, and when I tried to explain like to my niece and my, my son, like I'm like, they don't even explain... like how these things got possessed they're like oh well they're gonna explain it in the next one and I'm like that's not good enough I was like you guys are saying that because y'all played the game and y'all already know the answer I don't know these answers and this is what and and if you saw my first little initial reaction on TikTok this is what I said because I got some pushback saying you need to be a fan to truly appreciate that's bullshit and this is what I said Hmm. I never played Dungeons and Dragons you've never been more right to say that's the perfect example I never I loved the Chris Pine movie I never read one Iron Man comic book in my life. I loved that film. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the, yeah. Just, no one knew anything about Guardians of the Galaxy. I know, but then, like, it's just sort of like, you could take a yes. you could take an IP and adapt it, and a movie should be able to stand on its own, where you don't need to be, like, the hardcore fans should be, catch the little Easter eggs, but it shouldn't be necessary to be a hardcore fan to love it. I agree. Um... You gave it a two. I gave it two. I think I'd give it, I don't know, three and a half, mostly for the production design. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, I will say that. It, it, it looks cool. But, um, the, but the, the plot is just, it, 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 it's it's not good. And, well, my opinion is it's not good. So I know that it made a ton of money. So John is, which one did you watch first? Five Nights at Freddy's? I watched Five Nights at Freddy's, and then I watched Will, Willie's Wonderland, which may have elevated my appreciation. See, so... I saw Willie first. John saw Willie, and he hasn't seen. So I wonder what, what should Greg do? Which one should he watch first? Do it the way I did. Since y'all two watch it the same way, you watch it the way. Watch Five, five Nights, and then watch Willie's. And then the circle shall be complete. Because I, when I watched Willie's Wonderland, I said, "This is what they it's supposed." Yeah, that's what it should have been. They they should have poked fun with it. You know, tongue firmly implanted in cheek, and just have some fun with it. And if if you're making a movie about these murderous machines have fun and make like a slasher r-rated movie because if it's been in development hell this long most of the the like the, they were kids when the game came out are probably old enough to see r-rated movies agreed point. so it was just it was a swing and a miss for me but uh, you know if people watch it and they love it that's great i was not one of them so part of my uh halloween celebration within like a 48 hour period was uh, alternated between watching a couple movies that I've never seen before um, and watching Ted Lasso since my wife had never really watched it. Oh, I bet you she's loving that. She has been having a really good time with it. Um, the first movie we watched was Halloween night. We watched uh, Dr. Sleep. The sequel to the shining the sequel to the shining. The shining is a movie that we watched together. 
Um, so she, when I told her that, she was like, "Well, yeah, let's watch this." I'm Has she never this. seen The Shining? She hadn't seen The Shining when we watched. Like we watched it like in our, the early days of our dating. But she year. hadn't seen it she until like a few no. years ago. Okay. Um, so she watched and she liked it a lot. Um, so when she heard that this was the sequel to that, she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Let's watch it." Uh, so we started it up, and I didn't know what to expect. I'd heard you guys, you know, saying it was really good. So I just I went in with limited expectations. Um, but with Ewan McGregor firmly there in my mind as he's awesome. I, I would say arguably the most underrated film in the last five years. Uh, and I, I wouldn't disagree. So I'm not going to rehash too much of the story because we've talked about it before, but Dr. Sleep picks up following Danny Torrance as an adult um, and this group of people that have been around called The Knot. Um, is there another word in front of it? Like the, I don't the remember. The True Knot or something? Um, they're soul suckers. They're basically, yeah, soul they're, vampires. Yeah, they're vampires. They feed on The Shining. And... Uh, you know, when, when Danny was a kid, he was basically hidden from him because he had some problems adjusting because of his, his father. Um, As most people would. Yeah. And, uh, and these people sort of missed him, but they've been basically collecting people all this time. And what they call the steam is sort of running out. Um, well, you know, Danny's guide in his, you know, usage of The Shining kind of told me, one day you're going to have to do this for someone else. And that kind of day comes. And the story follows Danny sort of being the reluctant mentor to this other uh, young lady who has The Shining. Who is actually really good. She's incredible. Um, you know, the entire, like, cast of this film, like, you know, you mentioned Rebecca Ferguson and John made the joke. It makes you want to sleep with her a little less. Um, John, you saw this movie? Yeah. I thought so. But, uh, yes, yeah, she's phenomenal did, in it. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, did either, anybody see the director's cut? Not no, not yet. No, it's on the. I, I have the 4K and it's on there, and I think it's available on on the streaming as well. Gotcha. But I, I, I hear it's more. It's a little. It's more hardcore. Oh God. I mean, I didn't. I don't know if I saw that. Like, I just watched what was on Max. Okay, but I uh, think they're both on there. Like one of them, the poster was kind of a red tint, and the director's cut the poster is kind of a green tint. I watched the red one then. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, y'all talk about some hard things in it. Like, I, I don't know if I'm just kind of desensitized to a bunch of stuff, but there are hard, you know, scenes to watch in it. I wasn't as, as heavily impacted. Like, my wife, the... Well, the, it was the murder of the kid is what the really... The murder of the kid, that my, was, my wife was heavily impacted yeah, it, that by was, it. that scene. It, was, it wasn't so much... It was the way that the director did it where it was kind of slow and agonizing. Well, you felt his fear. And it was fear. J- Jacob Tremblay is a very like, good actor. I can't remember Tremble. ever seeing, like, a kid Tremble. asking someone, are you going to kill me? And they're like... Yeah, is it gonna hurt? Yeah, and like well, pain, it happens, and I'm like, oh my god, the steam. It was intense, man. I mean, that was, and then like they didn't shy away from it. Like you and McGregor and his friend, like going and find the body and stuff. It was like it was intense. Yeah, I can't. I honestly, this is a, a movie, and it's not like it's scary, suspenseful, all that kind of stuff. It's not like terrifying like other horror movies. Uh, but it's a worthy sequel to The yeah. Shining, and I I really liked it. I know that the book is different. Um, there's actually, actually particularly a, the way that uh, they leave things with one character is vastly different in the book. But I really like the way that this movie ended, um, and I think again uh, we, we were very happy that we we spent our Halloween watching this. The other movie that I watched was uh, Heather what's your had, what's your grade? Oh, I'm sorry, my grade on that would be a nine. Ooh, nice. I really really like this movie. In fact, we actually watched it again with a friend who hadn't seen it either. So we had like a, a, a night we we had some drinks and watched that, and she was even like, "Oh, that's really good." Um, Heather hadn't really watched any of the Hercule Poirot movies, so uh, we had watched Murder on the Orient Express, and I had never seen Death on the Nile, which uh, went on sale for like five bucks. So I purchased it. Um, this is another one where John's assessment, if I remember correctly, probably mirrors mine. I think I liked Murder on the Orient Express better. But this movie, again, an all-star cast, um, the resolution is not as flashy as the one in Murder on the Orient Express. But this is another really good way of spending a couple of hours and getting them right. I, I like these movies. These are the kind of whodunit movies that, that are smart. Um, you kind of don't really see the twist or they leave enough little breadcrumbs. The contrivances were kind of, are, are very cool. And I watched some of the special features and one of the things that I really love is they make the point of how when Agatha Christie was writing these stories, most detectives just hung out in England. Like you had Sherlock Holmes just doing stuff in England. Hercule Poirot was the one that, that he did. He did work in England, but basically all of his adventures are somewhere exotic. Mm. And this movie captures that. Uh, Emma Mackey 
is extremely good, extremely talented. Um, this is kind of where, had I watched this, I would have been a lot more gung-ho about her potentially in the running for Lois Lane. Um, Army Hammer uh, is in this, and he's good. But yeah, a cannibal. Um, <laughs> that was Halloween. That's... Yeah, you know, yeah. So we got we to go with that. But yeah, this is a movie, again, not as good. I can't remember what I gave Murder on the Orient Express. I'd give this like a seven and a half. I think I probably gave Orient Express maybe an eight. Um, but I give this one about a I seven. Think Haunting of Venice was much better than this one. And that's, and that's, 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 that's what I said. I'm, I'm going to watch that one next because uh, I want to complete the trilogy. And, and we didn't tell you, but me and John watched a, a Halloween movie. For, we did. Uh, it was after the Trunk or Treat. We watched Halloween 3. Season of the Season Witch. Season of the Witch. That's on Max, isn't it? Or it's I, on I, something. I Evil it, Dies Tonight. I think it may be on Peacock. Or maybe so. I know it's on something right now. Yeah, so they put all the Halloween movies, except for the original one on Peacock. The original one was on AMC. Oh. But, um, but yeah, we... we like, saw... Glenn had the DVD. Yeah. Y'all had, had both seen it, right? Years ago. And, and I, for, the, on TV, too. Like, I've never I seen it. Yeah, I don't, I've never I, seen it. When I clip. watch it, I remember. I specifically remember watching it with my cousin on Morgus Presents. Oh, I love Morgus. Which, for people not from the greater New Orleans area... That was kind of... You know that every region of the country has, like, their own type of Morgus? Well, I mean, Elvira kind of started the whole thing, right? Yeah, well, like, they have, like, a... Showing the monster movie. Like, up north, like, in, in the New York area, there's a particular... There's a, there's a dude, there's, like, just people everywhere that have their own, like, Morgus-type character. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, no, okay. We, we talked about, you know, several monsters. Let's talk about the monster inside. Okay, so... I actually heard about this a few years ago, um, about this haunted house. I think it was just in Alabama at the time. Now there's one in Alabama and Tennessee where you can win $20,000 if you can endure whatever this guy is going to do to you. But I didn't look into it any further. So his name is Russ McCamey, and uh, he's a crazy person. Russ? He's a crazy person. So, like... There are different levels, as I found out from watching this. It's on Hulu. Um, different levels of haunted houses. There's the the typical ones that you know you go to on during Halloween, which jump scares and somebody coming out with a chainsaw and you would scream and run away. Then there's the more intense ones. Um, locally, what's the one? The mortuary. The mortuary is probably something. And, and then the first one would probably be Old Chinchuba. And remember, there was was it House of Shock was one. Yeah, that's still around. Right? And and. But now there's these ones that's more of a interpersonal experience where you basically pay to be tortured in kind of a way. And this guy, like, there's there's different levels. That like, sounds amazing. Well, there's there's some that like, and they actually explain why people feel like they need this. Like, one of the guys was a, uh, a Iraqi war veteran who was horribly suffering from PTSD. So much so to the fact that when he came back. He started giving away his body parts. He like donated his part of his liver to someone who needed a new liver. He gave away one of his kidneys to a stranger. Like he was he was donating bone marrow. He was just like so broken. He was just like selling his body away. And a lot of people like due to you know trauma in their life, they feel like this is some kind of a release of this this torture aspect of it. Now there are some that where when they begin the, the the scary stuff and they start doing stuff to you they they're safe words where you just say this word and it all stops and then you know it's, it's good they, they go and they check on you well this guy he don't have a safe word this guy makes his own decision if he feels like it'll end when he thinks you have broken psychologically because you know he's a psychologist so he will know and yeah he does some pretty horrific stuff they make these people sign waivers where they actually sign a waiver saying that they may lose hair, they may lose a tooth, they could be cut, they could endure all this different stuff, and uh, it, it gets pretty intense, and he films all of it, and of course he's got his defenders online, he has his critics online, but it's amazing that this guy is functioning like as a, yeah. as it, a human. Has he given out the 20 Gs? No, no one's ever made it through the whole thing. But, like, there was this one girl um, who he, he instructed, he made her film herself in, the, in this hotel room doing exercises for, like, a day. He wanted her to be completely awake. So then he comes and he picks her up, 
and then 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 it starts then the actual haunting or scariness starts and this girl was basically talking about how like she just was so exhausted she couldn't keep her eyes open and they he started torturing her to the point where like and it, it's really uncomfortable to watch he's filming her and she's completely comatose it's she's been up like 40 36 40 hours and she basically says like I don't know if he what he did to me. She's like, I, I don't like he recorded me being unconscious. But then, like, you know, the camera turns off and I don't know what happened to my to what he did to me afterwards. And it, it's pretty freaky. And uh, it's a really fascinating, like human psychology um, about what people go through and what they need to sort of alleviate the pain in their life. Um, it's really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's dark, but. Um, I think it's it's fascinating. It's not scary if anybody's worried by, by scary. You, I don't think you're going to get scared by this. You'll probably be more amazed that this type of thing exists, um, and more amazed the fact that he hasn't killed someone yet because there are many instances in this where they film it and it looks like someone's about to die from the stuff he's doing to them. Um, it's on Hulu. Um, I would probably give this like seven. What would you give the gray, Ryan? Man, let me tell you. So I'm on Netflix, and Netflix has this. <laughs> no, ne- Netflix has is this. It the new... best movie you saw since best the movie. Of Monte Cristo. <laughs> so they do this thing now where they they have their top ten shows and their top ten movies. And I went to the movies and I saw a Liam Neeson movie called The Gray. And I asked my fiance, I was like, "Hey, you ever saw this?" She's like, "Yeah, but I don't remember it." And I was like, "Well, we gotta watch it. That's all I needed to." Watch a Liam Neeson movie. That's all you had to say. She. So uh, <laughs> I, I was expecting a Liam Neeson taken movie. That's not really what this is. He. Uh, Joe Carnahan. I don't know. Who the hell is that? The director? Oh, maybe. Joe Carnahan? I don't know. I didn't look up that stuff. Did he direct Die Hard? No, he did no that's John McTiernan. No, John McTiernan. John Carnahan. He did Narc. And, oh, right, um, right. Maybe. And, and the guy. The- so uh, <laughs> these guys are working at this, like, you know, I can't remember if it's like an oil facility or something. And Liam Neeson's character is basically his job is to kill the wolves and wildlife that are threatening this operation. So they're all on a plane ride to go back home. I guess they're rotating out and the plane crashes and there's like seven or eight of them left alive. And now a lot of these movies like The Revenant, like gives you no real explanation why a bear is just obsessed with killing Leonardo DiCaprio or the edge where the bear just has to kill Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins and Harold Perrineau. That's right. But this one actually presents at least a plausible reason why these wolves would be obsessed with killing all these guys because Liam Neeson explains that wolves are territorial. The plane, they figure out the plane has crashed basically near one of their dens. So he's like, they're not trying to kill us for food. Like most animals would do. They're trying to defend their area. He was like, we got to get the fuck out. And it's basically them trying to escape into to get away, and the wolves are stalking them. Um, so it's a survival movie. It's a monster movie, I guess, in a way, with the wolves. Um, and it's actually really entertaining. I, I was not bored with this movie at all. Um, it's Liam Neeson being Liam Neeson. Uh, you know, a gruff, good-looking former Jedi taking on wolves in the, in the, in the snow. Um, I, I would recommend this movie. It's on Netflix. It's an easy watch. Probably give it about, eh, I'd give it about a 7.3, something like that. It, it's enjoyable. Like, I really, it, it, it's kind of very similar to The Edge. Like, okay. yeah. Yeah, it, it was Joe Carnahan. And by the way, he did The A-Team, and he did that one, Boss Level, remember? With oh, yeah. oh, that's a good movie. Yeah. All right, well, from wolves to reptiles. There's no reptiles in this movie. <laughs> I watched this last night. Um, What's the title? Reptile. And there's no reptiles? There's no reptiles. Like false advertising to me. I mean, uh, okay, so if the only references I can Someone get... Someone wearing an alligator skin belt or... One of the characters has a, like a, a weird scaly tattoo going down her spine. And then at one point, um, the woman discovers like snake skin in, in this house. That's... Oh, there you go. It's all subtle. So this is about... Um, it's with uh, Justin Timberlake, Benicio del Toro, Alicia Silverstone. Um, I, I call him Dom from from uh, I know exactly from Entourage. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric Bedrosian is in it as well. Good cast. Um, so 
Timberlake plays like a real estate agent, and he's got this girlfriend, and they they're you know selling houses, showing houses, and they're having a little bit of an argument about some things, and he leaves to go to work, and then he's trying to call her, she's not answering. He goes back to this house and finds her murdered. And at that point, you know, um, Benicio del Toro comes in as a detective to investigate the murder. Um, I can't really go into. Here's what I will tell you about this movie: it's long. I don't even know what the runtime is, but it felt like probably about two hours and twenty minutes. But it was really very interestingly paced, um, and with these type of movies, most people watch it thinking. I'm going to figure out who the killer is, or I think this person's the killer. You may be able to figure that out kind of immediately, who the killer is, but I don't think you'll be able to figure out the intricacies about what happened and for what reason. And that's kind of fascinating and leads into like a a, a very interesting crime element to the film that I was not expecting. I thought this was going to be a whodunit. It's not like that at all. Um, Benicio del Toro is fantastic in this movie. He's really, really good. Um, I wish Timberlake would have been in it more. Oh, and also the guy who's in it, um, that movie Murder by Numbers, with, was it Ryan Gosling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's the other kid? The one who was in the Board, crazy one. The one who was in Boardwalk Empire? Michael Pitt? Yes, he's in this too. Um, Is it Michael Pitt? Yeah, I Michael think that's Pitt. his name. Yeah, he's in this as well. And he's actually really good. I always thought that guy was a good actor. Yeah, um, so this is on Netflix. Um, I would recommend it if you're into like crime dramas and stuff. This is sort of where I would put it. I would not classify it as like a whodunit. It's definitely more of like a, a crime syndicate type of thing. Um, it's really interesting. I, I would probably give it a seven and a half. A little long. That's my biggest problem with it. It was a little long, but overall, really good. Well, you watched Blowout. Glenn has watched Blowout previously. Yeah, he was, he'd was. he been recommending it um, when we did the Travolta thing. It was good. Yeah. That's why you hated Blowout, right? I didn't hate it. I didn't like the end. The end is really dark. Um, it is. It, uh, like, I wasn't expecting it to be as fucked up of an ending as it was. Like, it, Tra- it, Travolta's really good in this movie. He is great. But th- it was funny watching it with my fiance because she's just like, it's amazing how they made movies back then where the, the, the hero still treats women like shit. Like, there's this woman in the movie that he wants her to do something for him the whole time. And he just, like, harasses her and fucks with her the whole time. And I was just like, you know, I never really noticed that type of shit before. But, I mean, it's true. Like, they would have to rewrite the film a certain way nowadays. But he was a prick to this chick. But um, he's right. It's very fat. I've never seen a movie like this, like, involving, like, a, um, like I love the way they, they showed him, like, recording the sounds for yeah. different things. And then going back and like piecing it together to make it into little movie. a little movie for himself to figure out you know what happened to the uh, in the car accident. Um, I just didn't care for the ending. The ending I did not see coming. Like it was sort of like a murder mystery the whole way, and then it went really kind of like not as Arlington Road dark as that, but kind of like morbid. Um, but it's worth checking out. Um, Isn't it weird seeing Dennis Franz with hair? <laughs> Yeah, and he's always like, why does he always look like he's 48 years old yeah. on the verge of, like, alcohol poisoning? Like, he's looked like that his entire life. Um, I would probably give this, like, a like a 6.7. It was enjoyable. It was better than I, I was expecting. And I, I like Glenn said, I never heard of it. Cool. King of Comedy. So, um, yeah, so I got to watch this. I, I said I would last, the last episode, well, Damned if you didn't make good on that prize. So we did our Scorsese uh, episode, I think titled Score Crazy, where we came up with the uh, craziest character from a Martin Scorsese movie, and we had mentioned that none of us had seen King of Comedy. So when I watched it, it's actually available to watch right now for free on YouTube. The whole movie, the only thing I will say, and this is nothing against the film, just when you watch full movies on YouTube, they put ads in and random spots, like... In the middle of a scene, like a line's going on, and it'll just stop and cut to an ad, and then it'll cut back to the movie. Which cut. Ryan looks like he loves that. No, got got kind of annoying. But anyway, um, this was a 1982 film directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, 
Jerry Lewis and Sandra Bernhardt. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and if you've seen the recent Joaquin Phoenix film Joker, there's a lot of similar like they, they they took a lot of um, uh, inspiration from King Comedy, which is funny because De Niro is in Joker. So uh, De Niro plays this um, up and coming comic named Rupert Pumpkin. And he is very passionate, but he's also... Everyone tells him he's not a very good comedian, but he really wants to, uh, to succeed. And his idol is this guy, Jerry Langford, played by Jerry Lewis. Jesus, it does kind of sound like Joker. And uh, Jerry Langford, like I said, played by Jerry Lewis, is kind of like a... Uh, he's a talk show host, kind of like Johnny Carson or David Letterman or whatever of the day. And he has these random... I guess fantasies about them two being friends, but the way Martin Scorsese films it, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not. Like there's a there's a part where you know he shows up and he's trying to break into comedy and he's bringing his his like demo tape or whatever to try to be on the show, and then he leaves and the next thing you know he's like having dinner with the Jerry Lewis character and they're all laughing and joking like they're best friends, and it's kind of obvious that this isn't really happening, but there's no indication from the way that Scorsese directed it, that there's no, like, weird uh, bubbles or anything, like, you know, that this is a fantasy. It sounds just like Joker. And let's just say it gets really disturbing. This movie, I think, would be a great double feature with Taxi Driver because, one, De Niro's very kind of sullen and drawn in and he's very quiet. This one, he's just as crazy, but he's this big, boisterous character that's actually very likable and like his friends like him and you know he, he's got this girl that you know I think it's his sister that's with him and and Jerry Lewis is fantastic as the talk show host that goes through hell with <laughs> with with this guy but um I can't believe I'd never seen this before this was uh this was a I I really like this and I don't like I said just watching this thinking about Joker it's very similar um I don't know. I'd probably give King of Comedy, uh, I don't know, eight point three or so. It's um, I, I really liked it. Just well, like I said, it's not its fault. The thing that watching on YouTube, but if you can find it, definitely watch this if you've never seen it. I think it's a very underrated Scorsese movie from the eighties. Cool. Well, from a movie made in nineteen eighty two to a movie about nineteen eighty two, our final film, nineteen eighty two. So the, the full title is 1982, The Greatest Geek Year Ever. Um, so I kind of helped uh, make this movie. Um, He's an executive producer. Yeah, that's right. So, Glenjamin uh, Q. Davis. What the hell you know about making movies? I think the producer doesn't need to know much. <laughs> so um, many years ago, I went on Kickstarter and I chipped in the, um, you know, I threw in uh, 20, 30 bucks or something to help crowdfund the movie about uh, Superman Lives by the late great John Schnepp. Well, Kickstarter evidently kept my um, my contact, and every now and again they're like, hey, this is similar to what you, you backed. And uh, I got this one for a documentary called 1982 Greatest Geek Year Ever. And I looked, I saw some of the people on it, and it sounded interesting, so I went ahead and pledged my few little dollars or whatever, and every now and again I would, and it, it made its goal, and I would get little updates that, you know, we got an interview with this person, got an interview with this person, we're screening it at this Comic Con and this film festival, and then eventually they they sent me the uh, completed um, movie on DVD, and then they sent me a Blu-ray, and they eventually they split it into four parts and played it on the CW. So um, this is a documentary about the year 1982 and all the films that were released that year, and boy, there's a lot there's of there's a them. lot, a lot of big name movies, especially if like genre films mm -hmm. like. Like science fiction, horror, action. Yeah. I mean, it goes through Star Trek, Blade Runner, Tron, um, uh, Mad Max, the, the second Mad Max movie came out. Um, that one with Barry Bostwick. Um, <laughs> I'd never heard of that one. Yeah. But, but like, I, I, my favorite was that. E.T. I forgot the, not, not, the, the movies that weren't as popular that I loved as a kid. Like, I forgot about the sorcerer, the sword, and the sorcerer. Oh yeah, I watched that movie where the dude had the sword that like shot out a blade like a oh, gun. It was, it was Megaforce was the one. And and the Beastmaster. 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 I never watched the sword and the sorcerer. Oh, it was good. 
Yeah. Beastmaster was good. But then I was like, they were, it was like so many of them came out so like close where it was like Poltergeist came out one week and E.T. came out the next week. It's crazy, and right? And it was like, was it Blade Runner and was it The Thing, I think, came out oh maybe God. on the same day? And Yeah, because both of those movies they were saying should have been released during the fall yeah. or the winter. And um, I don't know. This is just, if you're a, a, a geek, like, like, you know, I admittedly am. This movie was great. This is kind of one of the reasons why me and John watch Halloween 3, because they yeah. talked to the writer and director about kind of what they intended with Halloween 3. Yeah, movie. this is not for, like, the, the casual viewer of films. Like, if you're into movies and film, it, it gives you some fascinating information, but it's a long movie. But, I mean, if you go into it, like Glenn said, it got, they broke it up into four parts in CW. If you that think would about be... it like that, just know it's long, and, I mean, you can kind of break it up. And you can, Agreed. There's kind of, it's kind of clear where each part ends. Right. They start, you know... There's like a specific Steven Spielberg part. Yeah, I think it's like Summer Spielberg was the yeah. end of the first part. But um, yeah, in fact, I th- the, it, it was broken up in Summer Spielberg, science fiction, fantasy and action, and comedy and horror. So yeah, the first one kind of goes through Poltergeist. And, and then that's just movies. It talked about like the Atari explosion and, you know, the E.T. game and stuff like that. Star Trek Two and Blade Runner, Megaforce, and then like... It went into Arnold Schwarzenegger, like Conan the Barbarian, and then great Rocky Three and um, uh, which called uh, First, First Blood. Blood both came out. Yeah, uh, like so it's and then all the stuff with uh, Eddie Murphy blowing up in Forty Eight Hours at the same time Richard Pryor's doing the toy. <laughs> Wonder it's, Wheel. It's Did just, Conan come out the thing? Yeah, yeah, Conan the Barbarian. So and and it, and it was funny just when they like they're going through all these movies and then they go like, so do you remember what won Best Picture that year? <laughs> And everybody's like, no, it was Gandhi, but yeah, this was a fun movie. Or if you want to watch it as a series, it's all on the CW. But. And one thing that just kind of tickled yeah. me when they talked about the 48 hours, you know, it's Nick Nolte is the kind of older cop and Eddie Murphy's the young convict. They said the movie had been on the shelf for so long that originally it was written for Robert Mitchum to be the old cop and a young Clint Eastwood to be the convict. So just the, just wow. hearing a young Clint Eastwood sounds like it's impossible. It does. Gran Torino. Because he's like 500 years old now. He's like true. Skeletor. <laughs> well, uh, gentlemen, now and, and I'd probably give it an 8. Okay, yeah, it's true scores. Yeah, I'd give it about an 8. I'd give it an 8 as well. There we go. Alright, 24 total. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now it's time to nominate <laughs> got a key for this week's Awesome <laughs> Villager. Gentlemen, who are your nominees and why? Uh, I'm going to nominate uh, Nate Bargatze, who appeared on SNL and delivered us one of the best SNL episodes in recent years. Um, I found Nate on Netflix one night, and he's got, I think, three. Two or three. Yeah. Two or three on Netflix. And he has a new one, or fairly new one, on Amazon now. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I love his humor. I love his personality, the way he delivers jokes. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think he's he's – He's really hot right now, and he deserves it. He's like Hansel. He's so, so hot. hot right now. Um, I'm going to nominate David Oyelowo because he—I didn't know what to even expect from uh, the Lawman Bass Reeves, mm. and he's—he owns it. He's very good in that show. I know. Yeah. The, it, it made me, he's the one that made me want to watch it, watch it more. So I think he's very underrated. He's had a few good performances. I mean, he was best known for when he played Martin Luther King Jr. in uh, Selma. But he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, what he did in that kind of reminded me a bit of Chiwetelich Tafur, the way he played in 12 Years a Slave, where yeah. he's like this underlying anger kind of thing yeah. that was very interesting. Yeah. He was very good. Yeah. I'm going to nominate Rebecca Ferguson, because while I have only recently watched Dr. Sleep, she has Dune 2 coming up. Uh, she's pretty much good in everything she's Silo. in. Silo. She's really great in, oh yeah, Silo, uh, which I have not seen, and uh, Mission Impossible films. Uh, I think she's oh, a very yeah. talented actress. She uh-huh. can't take her eyes off her. The greatest and she, well, Yeah, and she's actually very terrifying in this film. So, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson for me. And I'm gonna, we didn't really talk. We didn't talk about it, but I'm going to nominate Tom Hiddleston. Um, I've been really enjoying season two of Loki. I really, really liked the penultimate episode. By the time this drops, I think that the, no, the next episode, the last episode will come out the day after this episode. Yeah. Oh wait, no. It'll be the last week before. We'll, we'll be yeah. two weeks out. We'll yeah, be, yeah. Talk so about yeah, so it. you'll hear our thoughts on it on the yeah, next. Yeah, you'll episode. see. You'll hear our thoughts on the second half of uh, Loki. But I'm just wanted to nominate Tom Hiddleston. I think you know he's OG. He's been with the 
MCU since the beginning, and I just really love what he's been doing with this character. Well, gentlemen, if you have to nominate someone other than your own, who would it be? Rebecca Ferguson. Nate Bargatze. Oh, yellow, low, 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 low. I'll make it official. I'll go with Owl Yellow as well. Oh. Uh, because I, I, when whenever you say him, like he, he's got a very distinct voice, and he, him in the trailer for Lincoln, he has this little small role, but it's very much the heart of uh, of what the rest of that story is about. Yeah. He always delivers incredible, really good performances. Who is he in Lincoln? He, he's a, just a random soldier. Was he the soldier the in the beginning of the yeah. movie? We hear a highly resolved. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he was, he's in Rebels too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it Callus? Callus. Callus, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a phenomenal talent, and I, I'll watch anything he's in. So that makes it official, David. Oh, yellowo. Please come hang out with us. Uh, tell us tales of things. Tell us what it's like to be a... A cartoon Star War. Yeah. And a lawman. Um, and remember, guys, please help us out uh, because we have many different platforms to listen to us on. But people who listen to us often aren't also hitting that subscribe button, which makes us really sad here. Get I'm off your ass. A lot. Um, hit the button. But if you can hit that button, it, would, it does really help us out because God what we're trying to do it, here is... fucking with us. Trying to, we're trying to uh, Shit in his pants with build this community. And to, to do that on Spotify takes a lot of you audience hitting that subscribe button and really uh, helping us out. And and also another way of helping us out is to follow us on different social media accounts like... Yep, find us at The Awesome Village Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, X, and you can follow us on TikTok at, at awesome.village.pod. I try to update that as often as I can. All right, well, another fun week. This has been Greg. Ryan. Glenn. And John. We'll see you next week.